the share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. This week on Millennial. If people are going to make it about religion, let's make it about religion. I have freedom of religion, right? It is against Jewish law to not have abortion access. Can we now force everyone to be an organ donor? I just want to call out people die every day due to a lack of available organ transplants. Can we force everyone to be vaccinated against COVID now? Lots of people died because of COVID. People are still dying because of COVID. Are you pro-life now? With P's and F's, when you say P, you close your lips, and with an F sound, you bite your lip. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As well as with F, it's like you can hold an F sound. We're all doing it. For those listening, we're all like... I've never realized how my mouth moves Learning (laughs) about this was the most fascinating thing ever. Welcome to Millennial, the home of fake adulting but real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And we're joined again this week by our social media manager, Chloe. Welcome back, Chloe. Woo! Thanks, y'all, for having me. Yeah, we're having kind of a interesting recording week, and Pam wanted to join us, but then she couldn't. So uh, we said, Chloe, can you come on? Because we're going to be talking more about Roe v. Wade today, and we need at least two lovely ladies to discuss that. It can't. I nobody wants to hear from me, a guy, about it. <laughs> Well, actually, when we get into the conversation, I think that you'll find many different kinds of voices are important in this conversation because the precedent that is being set by overturning Roe will have effects on other groups of people down the road. That is true. That is true. And it'll be nice to have a man in solidarity, to be honest with you. Of like course. you're one of the good ones. And yeah. I'm really tired of men that I hate talking and spewing BS about this. So yeah. I just mean it's, you know, it, it affects you two and every other woman out there much more. And then we're going to be joined by one of our listeners, Rex, who is a speech pathologist. And we're going to talk about his work in that field. So, Laura, do you want to kick things off today? We we kind of touched on this last week when it was breaking. Yeah. Brought that the was mood crazy. down of the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, you know, it's one of those things where we knew it was coming, but I didn't expect it to happen right when it did. So I was definitely caught off guard. I think we all felt that way on the panel. Um I wanted to maybe have a little bit of a different conversation about this today because in the last week or so, anyone who's, you know, highly engaged with the show or highly engaged with the issue knows what the sequence of events has been. Supreme Court um, draft by uh, Justice Alito was leaked. Republicans have turned the story into 
this is our version of an insurrection. Oh my God. Um, you know, the, the court's authority is being undermined. The justices aren't ever going to be able to trust each other again. It undermines faith in the court as though there's not already a lack of faith in this Supreme Court. And Democrats have obviously made the issue about, you know, the issue, which is that it looks like the Supreme Court will be overturning Roe versus Wade, which is the landmark. Why'd you play cheering people? (laughs) No, I was queuing up a clip for a few minutes. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, weird timing. Weird timing. Um, That cheer was for the person that leaked it. Because that person is a freaking hero. I know. And we can talk about who we think it was because there have been some some interesting intrigue rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roe versus Wade, I think we've talked about this on the show a lot, but just for anyone who isn't aware, um, is the landmark legislator, the landmark decision from the Supreme Court in 1973 that guaranteed the federal right to an abortion. And once this is overturned, Abortion access is ultimately going to be decided by each individual state. I thought we could talk about what other settled law could be next. (laughs) I think it's important to chat about this because we have to remember that when Justices Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and uh, Neil Gorsuch were going through their confirmation hearings, They were asked again and again what their views on Roe versus Wade were. And they said again and again, that's settled law. It's established law, really implying to the people who were going to be voting to nominate them that Roe versus Wade was not something that would be overturned. People who were against those nominations could probably see this coming. Um, I think Susan Collins is just shocked she said, my confidence has been rocked. Oh, my God. Like, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, this was so surprising that they yeah. would go back on their word. I was about yeah. to say, when have politicians or judges or people that want to be elected or appointed to something say something that they don't really mean? Yep. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. never happened, right? Exactly. <laughs> I wanted us to talk about marriage equality. In the greater context of what it means to overturn Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade, because it is settled law, is often used as the precedent for other Supreme Court decisions, such as marriage equality. That's probably one of the biggest cases, and there are certainly others, but I think for the purposes of this discussion, we can focus on marriage equality. It is a case that, you know, its precedent is largely based on the same precedent that Roe v. Wade was determined on. And if they're willing to overturn Roe v. Wade, why would they not be willing to overturn marriage equality? As a matter of fact, in the draft opinion, Justice Alito refers to um, one of the uh, cases out of Texas that rose to the Supreme Court that ultimately was the basis for the legalization of marriage equality. I mean, mm-hmm. that's totally what they want to go after next. Yeah, 100%. It's not surprising at all. It's like we took a time machine and decided to go back to the early 1900s. I'm floored 
that this is happening in 2022. I maybe I was naive, but I fully didn't think that this was a conversation that I would be having. And I did not think I would have to be fighting for abortion access, access, excuse me, in 2022. And living in Washington, D.C. feels like a privilege and also like I need to do my part in protesting and standing up for women's rights and rights of all LGBTQIA plus people because Roe v. Wade and then marriage equality like affects me by two accounts and I'm just so fucking angry. (laughs) At this point, I'm like, I cannot believe this is a conversation that we're having after fighting so hard for it in the first place. But of course, the other thing to keep in mind is that they've been trying to repeal Roe v. Wade basically since it was put in place 50 years ago. I've seen a lot of talk over the last week how Republicans have been building to this moment for 50 years now, uh, stealing Supreme Court seats effectively by blocking Obama's pick, for example, getting Trump into the White House, rushing through RBG's replacement. They've just been striving for this forever. Like this is one of their top issues. And and now it's here. She's rolling over in her grave. Yes, I know. So angry. I was I was reminded just earlier today, actually, that Amy Coney Barrett was officially voted in just like two weeks before the election. I yeah, forgot how yeah. close that was to the actual election. It was it disgusting, sick. to be honest. Yeah. It was like no one gave a shit that she died. Oh, yeah. They moved so quick. Yeah. It was horrifying <laughs> to watch. They just didn't respect death <laughs> in general, <laughs> like or just the fact that she was a monumental person in American history and they were like, all right, well, moving on, <laughs> let's get a, yeah. a conservative judge in here. Yeah, because they knew they had an opening to do what they've been wanting to do for the last 50 years. The upshot of which is that, Chloe, now you and I have fewer rights than our mothers and grandmothers did. Ugh, God, when you put it like that, I'm already That's so the reality. Steamed. No, it's That's it's the true. reality of the situation. Yep. And I wish that I could say that I was pleased with what the Democratic Party is doing to codify abortion rights into federal law. But unfortunately, Democrats are once again finding themselves in this situation where their hands are tied over the filibuster because we've got two Democratic senators who will not kill the filibuster. Honestly, At this point, I blame leadership. I don't know what Schumer is doing. Mm -hmm. He has not been effectively whipping his caucus into shape. Republicans, when they have to get in line on something, they all do it. They move as one. Mm -hmm. This is a case where we need Democrats to be doing the same thing. And once again, We're getting this narrative out of Democrats that, oh, we're going to have a vote in the Senate to codify abortion as a protected right into law. But we all know that it's symbolic Mm -hmm. because it's not going to pass. Mm. It's not going to happen. They should have done it 50 years ago. Yep. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's the part that's most the most frustrating. Like they waited until it was already happening and our rights are being taken away. Like, could we not have done this 
right after Roe v. Wade or even 10 years after, because then we would still have abortion access across the country. And it just feels like a slap in the face because we're voting for these people and asking for them to protect us. And being a woman in America in 2022 right now before Roe v. Wade is overturned is still really hard. And we still face uh, discrimination in the workplace as a woman. We face discrimination, obviously, in the law. And this is just going to make it worse. And I said this on Twitter, but I was like, it's really starting to feel like Handmaid's Tale up in here. Like, wh- what are we doing? Yeah, mm-hmm. I hear that. I wish that I could say that I was satisfied with the administration's response. I get that everybody put out strong statements of disgust for what's happening and support for abortion. But at the end of the day, Roe v. Wade is being overturned and Democrats can't do a damn thing about it. Wasn't it also a promise of Biden on the campaign trail, I think, to codify abortion rights? Yes. I mean, he needed a a Senate majority to do that. Yeah. He, He can't do that with the Senate as it currently stands, which is... We could dig in and go through all the years of what led us to this moment, but it's the Democratic Party waffling and wanting to take convenient wins, like Joe Manchin, for example, is a pro-lifer, but they like having a West Virginia Democrat. Yeah. And it's like, what good does it do to have a West Virginia Democrat if he doesn't vote with the Democrats? Mm hmm. I know, um, Andrew, you found a clip that you wanted to share. We wanted to share some individual takeaways to this story. Because again, like we mentioned, the narrative of the leak coming out, how it's being spun in the press, how Democrats are very symbolically responding to it. Everyone knows that, right? So I thought we could bring some personal takes to the table. Yeah, obviously, this has been one of the most talked about issues over the past week. And something I caught on Twitter was this clip from maybe the Young Turks news show. That's what's showing up on top of the TikTok. It's hard to tell where this actually took place. It is somebody who looks like a newscaster going off about not letting somebody else's religion affect how they live their own life. So it's a really powerful clip. It went viral and I just thought we should play it. These comments might be strong, but it's how I genuinely feel. Um, I don't care that you're a Christian. I don't care what the Bible says. Like, I feel like it's a clown show, like sitting here trying to decipher what your little mythical book has to say about these very real political issues, right? I don't care if you're Christian. In fact, I will fight for you to have your religious liberty and practice your Christianity. I believe in that. I don't believe in Christianity, which means that you do not get to dictate the way I live my life based on your religion. I don't care what the Bible says. You have every right in the world. All those women who identify with your religion have every right in the world to not get an abortion, to not take birth control, but they do not have the right to dictate my life and what I decide to do with my body. I don't care about your goddamn religion. I'm so tired of having nonstop conversations about what the the Bible says you live your life in the way that you interpret the Bible. Again, I don't care, but you don't get to take the Bible and tell me, well, the Bible says this in this chapter and this verse. I don't care. I don't care. I don't believe in it. And I have the right based on our constitution to not believe in it. 
I thought that was a really powerful and fair statement. You can believe mm-hmm. whatever you want, but it doesn't mean that I can no longer get an abortion. In fact, Chloe, in uh, Judaism, aren't I... abortions permitted? Yes, I love this clip because it is so true that for some reason we have intertwined Christian values and women's rights, which is crazy. And newsflash. Not all people are Christian or even religious, but if people are going to make it about religion, let's fucking make it about religion. Mm -hmm. It is my constitutional right. I have freedom of religion, right? I can be a Jewish woman in America. Awesome. You are taking away my religious right or my freedom to practice Judaism by taking away abortion because it is against Jewish law to not have abortion access. So by doing this, you are taking away my religious rights, which is Mm anti-constitutional. Fuck you. Like (laughs) That's all I have to say is fuck you because a Jewish woman's life is valued more than a fetus. And it actually says in the Torah, which is the first testament before, you know, Christianity decided to have a second one, we say that a fetus is just a part of the woman's body, equating to her thigh or whatever else. So if that fetus is harming a woman, it is absolutely aborted. It is required to be aborted. And It just drives me crazy because there's this phrase that people use, Judeo-Christian values. Get the fuck out of there (laughs) with that because it's Mm -hmm. not it's not true. Jewish and Christian values do not align on this and a lot of other issues. For example, next week, I'm going to a rally, a Jewish rally for abortion justice. And I'm going to go and I'm going to stand outside of the Supreme Court and I'm going to tell them that they're literally stepping on my constitutional rights. And I recommend, you know, if people can go out there, protest, have your voice heard. But it just it's crazy because they're contradicting themselves and they don't make any sense. Like your religious rights aren't mine. So I get abortion access. And if you don't want to get abortion, fine, don't get an abortion. But do not shove your Christian beliefs in my face as a Jewish woman who faces anti-Semitism all the time in this country. It's insane to me, truly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's such a good point to bring up, too. It's something I really don't see people talking about personally in in my Twitter sphere and bubbles. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. And I'm really glad that you're on today so you can speak to it as a Jewish woman yourself. Not to mention... The vast majority of Americans don't want Roe overturned. Mm-hmm. And considering that the vast majority of Americans are also Christian, that suggests mm. that a lot of Christians <laughs> don't want Roe overturned. Oh, it's so true, though. It's like this small group of old white men making these decisions, maybe a few women, but the majority of the people that are deciding on abortion don't have fucking ovaries. Get out of here. You don't have a uterus. You you literally cannot produce a child. You don't know what that's like. And it is unbelievable to me that those people have any type of say over what I can and can't do with my body. 
Am I going to have an abortion? No. Do I think anyone wants an abortion? No, but it's necessary and women should have the right to choose, period. And it has me in a literal rage because I have seen my friends and I have been in a situation where I didn't know what happened the night before. Not because I made that decision to drink, but because someone else made the decision for me that I wouldn't know what happened that night. Right. Yeah. How dare you to say that if I was, women are being forced to have sex and then forced to carry that pregnancy after being forced to have sex. And I've sat with sorority sisters terrified for their life in Planned Parenthood because they had someone else force themselves onto them. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like people don't have any heart or compassion for women that deal with this all the time. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is that they're not thinking about the many women that they will never know. They're only thinking about their very small circle. And as long as abortion access is still available to their I was about to say. (laughs) Then it's okay. Because rest assured that the wives, girlfriends, mistresses, whoever of the people who are making these decisions, if they get pregnant and want an abortion, they will be able to get one. Mm-hmm. 100%. Do not worry about that. Yeah. They're taking abortions away from folks that can't get them by flying somewhere else, that can't get them by paying a hefty fee to keep it quiet. They're taking away safe abortions, might I add, because abortions are not going to stop with Roe v. Wade being overturned. Safe abortions are going to stop. People are going to die because Roe v. Wade is being overturned. Because the truth is, abortions never, ever stopped. They've been around forever. Because sometimes you cannot carry a pregnancy all the way through. And we now have the technology and the medicine to be able to do that in a safe way. And people are taking that away because they don't value women's lives. Women's are literally just for producing babies. That's what they're telling us by doing this. They're saying that the only value a woman has, even if that woman could die or have a less pleasant or successful life by carrying a child, it doesn't matter because that child matters more. Fuck you. Until it's born. <laughs> right. Uh, until it's born right. and it and it needs welfare programs and education and mm-hmm. healthcare. They don't want anything to do with that. But before you're born, man, we will go to the ends of the earth's fighting and we will burn down every institution we have to make sure that a clump of cells doesn't get aborted. Um, It makes me wonder if they think that they're committing mass genocide every time they go to wash their hands because (laughs) there's lots of cells on there too. (laughs) Or Um, when they're ejaculating. Sorry. I'm like, if you want to talk about potential for life, every time you masturbate into a sock. Yeah. Yeah. There's millions of dead babies. (laughs) So are we suddenly going to make masturbation? illegal is viagra <laughs> going to be illegal now mm-hmm. huh seems like i haven't seen anything mentioning any of that it's literally only about controlling women impotence 
is literally, if you can get something for impotence, why the hell are we taking away abortion? Like, if if birth is supposed to be natural and we're not supposed to have abortions, then you can't have your Viagra. Sorry, it's just the way of the world that you can't get it up. Bummer. Yeah, it's just the way God made you. Literally. <laughs> and then they'll hit you with, you know, but adoption. You can, you know, you carry the child and then you're adopted. And again, fuck you. I'm adopted. And I can tell you right now that most uh, people that are in that situation have a really hard time. There's more mental health issues associated with people that are adopted. Um, sometimes they don't find the right home. They're, and people end up in the foster system. Like it is, That is not a good option for everyone. I'm sorry, but it isn't. And it just drives me crazy. It always gets thrown out there too as such an easy solution. It's like, yeah, why don't you just like carry this pregnancy to term, right? You know, accept all of the effects it's going to have on your body and go through, you know, all of the steps of making sure that that child ends up in a safe home. Mm hmm. 100 percent. They they poise it as I mean, Amy Coney Barrett did exactly this when they were debating this. I know we heard some of this last fall, but she she was like, well, yeah, people can just leave, you know, if they have a baby they don't want, and I'm paraphrasing here, but she was saying that, you know, it it is totally legal if you have an unwanted baby to take it to your local emergency room or fire station and leave it there. And that kid is going to be fucked up for the rest of their lives. Yeah. As though that's somehow a preferable option. That kid is going to feel abandoned for the rest of their life. They're not going to... Speaking of Amy... She also said we need to maintain the domestic supply of infants. Oh, my God. She was either citing somebody else or she said that herself. It's one of those two things. And it's disgusting. It's because populations, population size is going down. I saw this. They want to have more white American babies adoptable. God forbid you adopt from outside of this country and then we have more uh, diversity in America. It's all about keeping the white supply of babies available for adoption. Yeah. And think about all the black and brown babies that do need to be adopted that won't be adopted Mm -hmm. because there are more white babies going into adoption agencies, foster care system, and you can say whatever you want, but even subconscious bias plays a role into that as well. My parents tried for 12 years to have a kid. They waited 12 years on the adoption list and they were going to take any baby they could get. And when I was older, they told me that my birth mom had three abortions before me. And for them, it was like, isn't that so horrible? And for me, it was like, no, I get what she was going through. I'm surprised she had me. You know, she was on drugs and she couldn't take care of herself. herself. And my birth dad was 19 years old. He also wanted to abort me. And I'm, I mean, I'm going to just be candid and really vulnerable. If I had a pregnancy scare from the point I began having sex to now, I probably would have aborted the child. I do not have that type of responsibility, that money, or um, honestly, I feel like I'm still growing up myself. I can't even imagine what it's like to raise someone else. So to take that away from people is 
it's sickening and it's it's vile. Yep. And I'll add to this. I'm 33 years old. I do not want children. I've been very clear about this. Um, if my birth control method failed me right now and I ended up pregnant, I would 100% have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if with overturning Roe v. Wade, if abortion access became you know, not a thing here in Georgia, I would absolutely travel to a state where I could get the procedure done. Mm -hmm. I have no shame in saying that. And it's because I don't think that I owe anyone an excuse or an explanation for what I do with my bodily autonomy. Right. Mm -hmm. In the same way that there are numerous other things that people can choose to do with their bodies that they don't owe anyone an explanation for. Um, I think sometimes, and I've been... I've done this before, too. I think sometimes in trying to have good faith conversations with people who feel strongly on the other side of this issue than I do, um, it can be really tempting to talk about, you know, rape, incest, which, of course, are (laughs) cases where if you're going to give an exception, you should give it there. Um, But we sort of tend to talk about the like, this horrible thing happened to this woman and she got pregnant as a result. Yes, she should absolutely be allowed to have an abortion. But a woman who is just going about her life and got pregnant didn't intend to. I don't care what the reason is. I don't need a justification from her. I don't need an explanation. She should have as much access to that service as anyone else. So that's why I say... If I were to get pregnant right now, it would be because my IUD failed me. And if my IUD failed me, I would have an abortion. However, if I didn't have an IUD, if I wasn't on any kind of birth control and I got pregnant, I would still have an abortion. And I don't feel guilty saying it. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And women I th- should not have to give you any personal details about their life or what they're doing for for you to deem it okay for them to do anything that they want with their body. Like, that's the other thing. It's like we we push people to tell us why. Tell us why you're having an abortion. No. <laughs> people should be able to keep that to themselves. And the next thing they're going to go after, after Roe v. Wade, is birth control. I'm so glad you mentioned that um, because I wanted to bring up what comes next after Roe is overturned. Um, as we talked about on Season 7, Episode 22 last year, a number of states um, have been making moves to implement anti-choice legislation in anticipation of Roe being overturned. Um, Louisiana is one such state. Um, they're a state that already has a trigger law in place that will immediately ban abortion when Roe is overturned. But their legislature has also recently advanced a bill that would classify abortion as murder from the, quote, moment of fertilization. Yeah. That literally just makes us sound like we're cattle <laughs> that like are meant yeah. to be bred. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. And to that point, as an IUD user, I found this news um, very disturbing. Um, Opponents of the bill and experts are saying that its broad scope would also criminalize in vitro fertilization, intrauterine birth control devices like IUDs, um, and emergency contraception like Plan B as well. 
And these so are- So basically, if you're going to fuck and you get pregnant, tough shit. Literally. The, and the thing is, is this is all happening in states that have horrible sex education. Because you know the way that you fight abortions- Sex education and contraception, like that's the Mm -hmm. way to do it. Not this way, because abortions are still going to happen. You fight it by teaching people how to have safe sex. And most of these states are like abstinence only, which doesn't fucking work because kids are going to fuck. Like, sorry, it's just true. And by doing this, they're taking away... There's going to be so many more unwanted pregnancies by doing this. It's insane. And it also informs me that these lawmakers have limited or no knowledge about the reasons that women use birth control because it's not just contraception. Yes, that's a big part of it. But it's also the fact that I have two forms of birth control because I have a hormone imbalance and I have incredibly, incredible, incredibly painful period pain. Like you, that is why I got on birth control originally. And you're also causing women to, the amount of pain women are going to have to face more than we already do by overturning Roe v. Wade and start, and by implementing these new laws is insurmountable. It's crazy. Yeah. And Louisiana is not alone. Um, So there are a number of states that have some kind of trigger law or post-row law in place. And I'm going to name them all because I think it's important for you to know if you live in one of these states. It's Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. I didn't even know trigger laws were a thing where they will come into place if something else happens. Some of it's... them have been in place for decades. So they're ready to pounce, just yep. waiting for this moment that they've been anticipating. It really makes you wonder. What about this being their plan longer no, than makes... any of us have been alive? Yeah, it, <laughs> no, it makes you wonder because it's like, okay, so we elect Democrats because we think that they have our best interests or better interests for us, but then they don't codify abortion access into law, but they know that this is happening and people are prepping for it. It's, this is, I mean, Andrew said it earlier, it's 50 years in the making yeah. and we had 50 years to protect women and we said, no, screw them. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you know, we have a gubernatorial election here in Georgia this fall Um, One of the Republican candidates, um, not the incumbent, Brian Kemp, but his challenger, David Perdue, has come out and said that if he were governor, he would implement a law to make all abortions illegal in Georgia as soon as Roe is overturned. So, yeah, they've been waiting for this. And it is disheartening to see that this campaign has been ongoing since before any of us were born and that. We had 50 years um, to see this coming, and we didn't do enough, and now it's going to happen. Um, I know that I had mentioned that, you know, most Republican-led bills on the state level ban abortion um, aren't making exceptions for rape or incest. Again, I don't think that those should be treated as an exception case. I I think abortion access should be available widely to anyone. But the fact, that, <laughs> the fact that these 
fucking nut jobs can be like, yeah, if your 12 year old is raped, she can't have an abortion. Are yeah. you kidding me? Oh, yeah. did you see that clip that was like, the damage is already done? If a 12 year old is raped. I think I saw something like that. I saw a woman trying to justify no exceptions yeah. for rape and incest and i think they were talking about the value of life and there there can be no absolutely no exceptions because life is so precious they don't value life though they don't value of the life mm-hmm. that's right in front of them telling them that they are traumatized and that they can't go through a pregnancy they don't give a shit about women or our lives or i mean the lives of you know these pregnancies they want to bring to term Think about, again, the after effects of an unwanted pregnancy being brought to term. Think about the effects on that child of knowing that they weren't wanted. Because if, you know, the birthing person brought the baby to an emergency room and abandoned it, that kid's not going to have to think too much as they get older to realize they weren't wanted that is going to have a severe negative impact on their mental health. Not to mention, again, the fact that these same legislators and senators, congresspeople, they all consistently vote against social safety net provisions to ensure that people in this country are educated, are fed, um, have health care. The fact that they don't want to provide those things to people tells me that they also would not want to provide those things to these children born of unwanted pregnancies. And the cycle repeats. It's ignorance just repeating itself over and over. You breed ignorance amongst your populace, and you will have a population of people who don't know any better and who find themselves in this perpetual cycle of having unwanted pregnancies and, you know, ultimately creating your voter base, which may be what they're going for here. I can tell you right now from personal experience, babies that are unwanted know that they're unwanted. It eventually comes out and it is so traumatic and damaging and you struggle with that your whole life and it's unfair. I mean, besides, you know, all the other things that Laura just said about it being unfair, but you're bringing these children into the world feeling as though they are undeserving and unwanted. And you're evil for that. I mean, to that point, I've heard from a therapist that I was working with that the stress of a mother carries to the child that they are carrying. And that that's exactly the same thing. You know, if somebody does not want a child and they're being forced to carry it, that stress is also transferring to the child and they're going to be growing up with that. I don't think you were talking about it in exactly that same way, but that's another way it affects the child and the parent. And the resentment of the parent, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly why this isn't something that needs to be up for discussion amongst lawmakers. Because they cannot possibly imagine every individual scenario in which someone might choose to get an abortion. That is a personal choice. The precedent for uh, Roe v. Wade is the 14th Amendment, your right to privacy. And that covers your bodily autonomy to make decisions for yourself. So I'm wondering... 
Is the 14th Amendment even relevant anymore? Apparently not. I have a couple of questions. Um, Can we now force everyone to be an organ donor? I just want to call out people die every day due to a lack of available organ transplants. If y'all value life, shouldn't we all be organ donors? Mm -hmm. I'm an organ donor. I don't personally think that I should be able to force other people to be organ donors themselves. But if you want to be consistent, pro-life, right? Yeah. Can we force everyone to be vaccinated against COVID now? Lots of people died because of COVID. People are still dying because of COVID. Are you pro-life now? Didn't we want all those people to stay alive and safe? We still can't force people to wear a mask either. That was a very simple sacrifice for people to make. It's nothing like an abortion. Of course. Yeah. And people got up in arms. We all saw the video clips over the past couple of years. And I love how the courts struck down mask mandates, but they're saying that we're overturning Roe v. Wade. (laughs) Are you saying they're hypocritical? No, (laughs) not at all. We could go on and on about this, but I'm getting mad. (laughs) 45 minutes into the episode, Chloe's crying. crying. Take a breather. Chloe, you are fantastic. I am so thankful for your vulnerability on this episode today. I know you weren't mm-hmm. planning on being part of this discussion. This <laughs> this came up very last minute, y'all. I had my wisdom teeth out this week, and we had to move the, <laughs> we had to move the episode. <laughs> we we had to move the episode recording because yesterday I was literally in like a drugged out daze. I think you said, "quote I feel like death." I felt like death. I did, and um. Pam couldn't make it tonight, so Chloe had to step in, and she's just done a phenomenal job of coming in and really, you know, not only discussing the story in a very real way, but putting her own personal lived experience out there, um, which we're super thankful for. I'm like, I cannot say enough about your vulnerability today. I know that it's hard, but I also know that it makes a difference for anyone who hears it to hear these very real perspectives about what this means and yeah i apologize because for me like i'm just so angry and i know that everyone listening can hear it in my voice but i'm also really scared and that is really hard and i think that these conversations are so important and i will continue to be vulnerable in everything i do because it's not talked about enough um and someone needs to do it and someone needs to step up. So I hope that I can inspire a few people to be vulnerable and honest about how this affects them because our rights are being taken away right in front of our eyes. And it feels, and I feel so helpless. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I feel like I can't do anything. Yeah. That's how everybody feels right now, I think, because where are the roadblocks? How can you block the Supreme Court? I guess somebody felt like they could through leaking this draft. But I don't know. That could be a whole other conversation. Who do we yeah. think is the leak? And it yeah. prob- it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Right. Um, I will just say prominent Republicans were notably aligned on their talking points within 24 hours of this leak happening. I don't think that's a coincidence. You think Republicans leaked it? I think that a conservative clerk leaked it because if you read the uh, if you read the draft, it was written in February. Why would a liberal clerk wait until May? Valid. 
So that's the second insurrection from the right in the past couple of years. Because mm-hmm. weren't Republicans calling this another insurrection? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Got fucking, it. fucking hilarious. <laughs> to kind of uh, reset, I thought we could end on sort of a lighter note. This has been making the rounds as well. Uh, legendary comedian George Carlin actually had a bit on abortion many years ago. And I saw on Twitter that this particular clip that I'm going to play, this was the very start of his stand-up routine. He just comes out on stage running and jumps straight into this. Why? Why Why is it that most of the people who are against abortion are people you wouldn't want to fuck in the first place? Boy, these conservatives are really something, aren't they? They're all in favor of the unborn. They will do anything for the unborn. But once you're born, you're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Pro-life conservatives are obsessed with the fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No, nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no head start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. Conservatives don't give a shit about you until you reach military age. (laughs) Then they think you are just fine, just what they've been looking for. Conservatives want live babies so they can raise them to be dead soldiers. Pro-life. Pro-life. These people aren't pro-life, they're killing doctors. What kind of pro-life is that? What, they'll do anything they can to save a fetus, but if it grows up to be a doctor, they just might have to kill it? (laughs) They're not pro-life. You know what they are? They're anti-woman. Simple as it gets. Anti-woman. They don't like them. They don't like women. They believe a woman's primary role is to function as a broodmare for the state. Pro-life. You don't see many of these white anti-abortion women volunteering to have any black fetuses transplanted into their uteruses, do you? No, you don't see them adopting a whole lot of crack babies, do you? No, that might be something Christ would do. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, yeah. Well, there you go. You know, he was the narrator on Thomas the Tank Engine. What? Hell yes. Yeah. One of the most foul-mouthed comedians on the planet was the narrator of Thomas it's the Tank Because it was liberal brainwashing. So Thomas the Tank Engine was liberal brainwashing. <laughs> All right. So we are now joined by one of our listeners, Rex. Hey, Rex. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It's great to have you on. We've known you for a while. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm in Chicago. I've been here since fall 2019. I've a speech therapist. That's why I'm here. Just been practicing in Chicago. I did my undergraduate at the University of Iowa, and I did my graduate school at the University of Central Florida in Orlando. Okay. You actually are a Harry Potter podcaster yourself, right? Yeah, I'm one of the co-hosts on Alohomora. Okay. But the, you also do this like short form one on MuggleNet, right? Yeah. This year, um, MuggleNet is doing a year-long reread. Each episode is like 5-10 minutes for each chapter, so there's going to be 199 episodes by the end of the year going over everything, and there's a prompt that whoever is on just discusses their thoughts. And 
it's really made me think about certain chapters different ways because there are some chapters that I wanted to do because I really enjoyed them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is my favorite chapter. I want to do this one. My favorite chapter is Half-Blood chapter one Mm -hmm. in the entire series. The Other Minister. It really made me think of my views of whatever it was and just reanalyze the text in different ways that I've probably never would have done without it. Yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Especially that the episodes are only five, ten minutes. Like that's that's I love the idea of a short form podcast. Laura, I think we need to convert MuggleCast to five to ten minute episodes. That Absolutely sounds really nice. Not. I'm okay <laughs> no. with that. I'm not not <laughs> happening. Oh, okay. Each of these episodes are just with one person. Right. So it's just myself and Oh, so that helps. It's it's really weird because sometimes I'll ask myself a question. And I'm like, who's going to answer it? <laughs> Shit, I have to. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, let's stop. Let's. I love that. Let's figure this out. Yeah. I would love talking to myself. I kind of want to do like a short form podcast. I just don't know what it would be about because it sounds nice, the, the format. And for a lot of people, that's what they want. They want just a quick five to 10 minute podcast, jump in and out of things. You could do one on podcasting, Andrew. There you go. You're oh, yeah. I'll do a podcast guru. about. Yeah. On podcasting with Andrew Sims. I'd listen. And I'll ask a question and I'll be like, oh shit, I'm the only one here. I've answered myself. <laughs> How to start so, your own podcast in five minutes. <laughs> five minutes a day or a week. So listeners, you might remember a year or two ago, I told a story, it may have been in After Dark, about losing my shit at a utility worker in Chicago, me and Pat were trying to switch parking spots. He was pulling out of the parking spot so I could pull into this parking spot. That was the only reason he was exiting this parking spot. The utility worker tried to get into the spot. I was like, we were just switching cars. Please get out of the way. It was a whole thing. I lost my shit on a public street in Chicago. Rex has the unique distinction of being one of the people who witnessed me losing my shit purely by coincidence, which I still can't believe this story, right? No coincidences. <laughs> yeah. Um, when this happened, I was doing early intervention so that I was working with birth to three in home. I remember seeing someone just kind of yelling at a utility worker. I was like, oh, this is weird. And I was like, just kind of going on my day because it's Chicago. <laughs> He so he didn't know it was me, but he listened to the show at the yeah. time. Just that Chicago is... thing. That's insane, yeah. though. <laughs> the chances of that happening—that's crazy. Okay, well, Andrew, you're famous, I guess. <laughs> There's that. We've talked about it before, <laughs> but <laughs> no, I forgot about that, Andrew, really? until I saw it in the doc. <laughs> I was yeah. so shocked that you had actually witnessed me going like, off. I, like, I was, I was, I rarely get actually angry. I was fuming at this person because we were beeping at each other i walked up to her window and <laughs> i said something to her like you're not funny or something oh, like that or, i can't remember <laughs> i know right i said somebody's not funny no but you it was really bad no, you walked up <laughs> no, no no that part whatever you walked up to their window you walked up to a stranger yeah I was right in front of my condo. I I just felt, I don't know. I was fuming. I was fuming. I know what she did. She plugged her ears. She was like, la, 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 I can't hear you. And I was like, oh, she started singing. Oh, my God. (laughs) While plugging her ears. 
And I was like, blah, 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 blah. And your singing is terrible. And then I fumed is away. Is this a real story? <laughs> Did this actually happen? Yeah. It sounds like oh, it was a so bit. Stupid. It sounds like a bit. The whole thing was so stupid. I'm, it's anyway. a good thing Rex didn't recognize you. Otherwise, he'd probably be like, I'm never going to listen to that crazy man again. <laughs> I know. Who is that asshole? I was on the other side of the street. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you wanted to get far away because it looks like somebody was losing his shit. Deranged man. (laughs) (laughs) Deranged man. So anyway, Rex, you're a speech pathologist. This month of May is actually Better Hearing and Speech Month. It is also Pediatric Feeding Disorder Awareness Month. And as of this week, Stuttering Awareness Week. And all of these fall under your practice, your scope of practice? Yeah, they're all kind of something that you can do as a speech therapist. I currently don't work with stuttering, but I was really into it in graduate school. So what else is in this field? The American Speech Language Hearing Association, that's my field's governing body, has this big nine, which are just nine areas that you can treat their articulation. So this is when you can't say certain sounds. My experience when people are like, oh, I saw a speech therapist they were seeing him because they couldn't say an R or an S. So this would be articulation therapy. There's also fluency or stuttering. So that's really working on making people who stutter more fluent. And there's a difference between a stutter and if you're experiencing an episode of disfluency because everyone trips up on their words, just people who stutter do it significantly more and it affects their daily living. Yeah. There's also voice If you have like vocal nodules or any other vocal cord trauma, uh, an ENT may refer you to a speech therapist to just work on some vocal health and voice training. Uh, Also, a lot of trans clients, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but this is kind of the area. If a trans client wants to see speech therapy, this would be the area for just working on ways to change their voice, to usually feminize their voice in a healthy manner. There's also language. This is just kind of being able to understand and use language. Uh, There's cognition, so executive functioning, so organization planning. Uh, Hearing, which is hearing aids, cochlear implants, because that is just a little bit different than individuals who can hear. There's swallowing and feeding, which... That's something I love doing. Do you want to explain that more? What I work with a lot of pediatric clients with feeding issues. So I either work on increasing muscle tone to be able to tolerate age-appropriate foods. There can be a sensory component to it. It's kind of like thinking of a picky eater, but more severe. There's a client at my clinic. She only eats white foods. White foods? Yeah, like mm. bread, pretzels. So just really expanding palate. So they're eating more nutritious foods because usually if there's a sensory component, it is more bland food. That's so interesting. I feel like I I still need someone to tell me (laughs) to eat more nutritious foods. Yes, same. I eat like a three-year-old who only eats white foods. Yeah, I was about to say white foods. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. Oh, I had chicken nuggets for dinner. As you should, Rex. (laughs) There's also social communication. So this is just being able to have a conversation in just the nuance to that about why it might be perceived rude if you just go up to a stranger and call them fat. Mm. And the last one is communication modalities. So this is using assistive technology to communicate. 
And this can be as simple as using pictures to communicate or using something more high tech, kind of like an iPad that generates speech to communicate your thoughts. That was actually all very interesting because just like with the food stuff, like I never would have guessed that would be a role that you would have as a speech pathologist. We wanted to talk about any certain letters that maybe we had trouble pronouncing as kids and then we needed to go in we needed to go into speech therapy. I had problems with my THs and I remember going to a class, I can't remember how often it was in elementary school to get the even just saying them on their own is weird. I'm realizing that's yeah. worked out. Even today, I still like can get tripped up on birthday. Birthday. Like if I say too mm-hmm. quick sometimes or I just I went through a phase where I was really struggling. And it's just the co-articulation uh, just kind of with birthday. Um, just the sounds that are around that TH, that yeah. sound mm-hmm. um, are really close. I'm specifically thinking of the D because if you just say D in isolation, it's right behind your teeth. Whereas the TH, you're kind of biting your tongue. Birthday. Yes. Good point. Mm. Oh my gosh. I kind of want to bring up what Pam put in the doc as well. Um, Because she initially wrote that her brother replaced P's with F's. And I commented being like, that's weird. (laughs) It's usually the other way with P's and F's. When you say P, you close your lips. And with an F sound, you bite your lip. Oh, yeah. (laughs) As well as with F, it's like you can hold an F sound. We're all doing it. And for yeah, those like, listening, we're all oh, like... I've never realized how my mouth moves Learning <laughs> about this was the most fascinating thing ever because I got into this field because I spent my entire childhood doing, like, in articulation therapy. Oh, so being like, oh, like, this is why I couldn't say this sound. Is that why fuck is so fun to say? <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not a serious what, question, fuck? but like, fuck, like, it's fun. You get to like, bite, fuck, like, I, it's fun I to see, say. I see. Well, if you're thinking about just kind of what, like thinking clinically, um, when you say fuck, you work your way back in your mouth. Okay. Fuck. Does that make it more fun? Oh, I see. <laughs> like your tongue like goes fuck. backwards. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know if that has like any meaning. It's to just so fun to say. Well. <laughs> So yeah, Pam's brother would replace the P's with the F's, but then Pam actually mixed it up, didn't she? Yeah, Yeah. she mixed it up. So because I said, usually it's the other way around. So like feather would become peather rather than pool becoming fool because a P is more easy to produce than an F. Because if you kind of think of a typical first, first words for babies... They're usually words that have P's, B's, and M's, K's, G's, T's, and D's. And Laura, your brother had some issues. Yeah, my brother, um, and I, I would be curious to hear if this is also weird. Um, he would replace the s sound with a t sound. So for example, we had a dog named Sophie when I was a kid, and he would call her Tofi. <laughs> and he grew out of it. He didn't need to go to therapy for it. But Tofi just stuck. I mean, that's what we called her for the rest of her life, you know? So if you say like uh, the T sound, like just a nice T and keep your tongue there and then just go S. Your tongue doesn't move. Oh, yeah. 
the T, the P, the B, all of those really easy sounds, those are called stops because once you say them, um, the sound is done. It stops. S and F, those two sounds are called fricatives. And that just means you can hold them. So like you can go for as long as you want. This is or as so... long as you can keep your breath going. Yeah. yeah. This is so interesting. I <laughs> just is. want you to tell me where my tongue is in my mouth and where it goes <laughs> every letter, every sound. We're going to get emails from the people who complained when we were doing ASMR on the show. I... This probably qualifies <laughs> as ASMR, I bet. You guys did ASMR on the show? We like played a clip or something, and oh, okay. Was, people didn't people like were it. Freaked out. <laughs> it's yeah, very so people, it's not it's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah which we didn't know. So Rex, how common is speech articulation therapy? I probably knew this at one point, but after I googled the answer, <laughs> uh-huh. according to the NIH, it says about five percent of school age kids. Okay, so one in twenty. How long does it usually take to resolve these issues? Is there a clear answer? If it's a typically developing child, so there's no other disorders or syndromes attached to them if they're typically developing, meeting milestones and stuff appropriately, and it's just one sound, you should be able to do that fairly quickly. So we also wanted to talk about improving communication with little ones, because that's what you do as well. And I know you thought and we thought this could be helpful for parents or maybe future parents. I work at a therapeutic preschool in Chicago. Um, I specialize primarily in feeding as well as AAC or like communication modalities. So um, I just started um, an assessment with a client figuring out what system works best for them. And I'm having the time of my life with that right now. I was going to say your face like lit up when you started talking about it It was really (laughs) cute. Yeah, you clearly like what you do. As stressful as my job can be, I enjoy it. There's one day I was in the bathroom for 50 minutes with a client because they were screaming. Oh, wow. Oh, dear. (laughs) I was just like, this is what we got to do right now. To be fair, I also feel like screaming for 50 minutes. (laughs) So kind of see where that kid was coming from. I'm sorry you had to be there. Especially over the past week. I was about to say that's like currently my mood. (laughs) So what are some common signs that you might want to find a speech pathologist to work with? In the United States, since that is where I did my education and work, every infant gets screened for hearing loss when they're born. If the test comes back with a flag saying that there might be a hearing loss, it's recommended that they follow up at three months to confirm the hearing loss and then to hopefully work on correcting that at six months. Pretty much the guideline is for the first like years of life, a one-year-old should be speaking in one-word phrases, a two-year-old should be speaking in two-word phrases, a three-year-old should be speaking in three-word phrases. But in February, the CDC kind of like changed things um, and my governing body um, wrote to them saying that a speech therapist wasn't in the room about these milestones. Because I believe now, according to the CDC, kids should have their first word between 15 and 18 months, which is about a six month difference. CDC is not perfect. And here's another example of that. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever early intervention was founded, I don't know when it was, it wanted to identify things earlier because 
children are more, their brains are more plastic and more malleable at age two than they are at age five when they enter kindergarten. So getting that and really helping them. When I was in early intervention, I've worked with a couple late talkers, essentially kids that were just getting their communication needs met by gestures. So they're like, well, why do I need to talk? And just really getting them. I worked with them for a couple months and then they were fine. Okay. And then some other common signs? If like a child's born with a syndrome or some genetic variant like Down syndrome, they kind of automatically get flagged by EI and someone reaches out to the family for whenever they want to start the system. I worked with a couple kids under one with Down syndrome, just kind of educating the parent rather than like really doing much interaction with the kid being like, oh, okay, this is stuff Mm -hmm. you can do. Yeah, I I didn't even think about that, that not only are you coaching these kids, but you're also coaching their parents because they're not going to be with you. With early intervention, majority of the time you're there one hour a week, which is nothing. Yeah. So you really need to show the parents being like, oh, okay, this is what you need to do. I'm not saying the parent needs to change how they're communicating with a kid, but spending five, 10 minutes before nap and after nap every single day, that adds up. So before we continue with Rex, Chloe just has to hop off now. So Chloe, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, y'all. You were amazing as always. (laughs) Thanks, Chloe. Rex, this is so interesting. Thanks for letting me get angry and emotional on the pod. Uh, Always. That's millennial for you, Chloe. Yeah, literally. Well, bye, y'all. Bye, Chloe. Bye, Chloe. Have a good good night. Just kind of going back to language um, development, um, some basic toys that are just great are anything cause and effect. So blocks, farm animals, push pop toy things. Don't know what they're like gophers and bubbles are fantastic. Ooh, really, bubbles. These are all things I want. Kids like bubbles. How, how do bubbles help? Um, you can get them to request. You can like. You can get them to say open. You can get them to ask for help. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of language that you can use with bubbles. And there's a lot of resources on the internet. You can find a pediatric speech therapist on Instagram and they will have fantastic information. That's awesome. I never thought about how much giving kids like a fun utility, like bubbles, like getting to blow bubbles, how much that could elicit speech production from them. Because you think about it, it's like you have to open it. You have to dip the wand. You have to like get the soap you have to blow the bubbles like and they'll land on a things, lot of it you know? is kind of sabotaging the kid and making them like have to ask for help yeah oh, i love okay. that that's so yeah. smart yeah and it's just like oh you really want this well you can't open this item so yeah have fun <laughs> <laughs> so what else what other books good? are fantastic you really want books to be like kind of repetitive just because If you say cow 20 times in a book, the chances of a kid acquiring it are higher than if you only say it once. Uh, But you need to like hear a word hundreds of times to actually acquire it. It's just like advertising for adults. Adults have to hear an ad, I think, on average, like seven times before they actually act on it. And some common misconceptions about my field is that speech therapy is just for kids. Um, 
we work from womb to tomb, which is my favorite phrase <laughs> in the entire womb world. To tomb. So <laughs> we got you covered. Can we steal that? Way. Like this podcast is for for everyone. Womb to tomb. We just rename the pod <laughs> Womb to Tomb. Oh my god! And that's mainly um, thinking of the adult population. So um, if you know someone who has a stroke um, or has aphasia. Was it Bruce Willis who recently like got diagnosed with aphasia? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, it's really sad. So I'm assuming he's either saw or is seeing a speech therapist to work on that because aphasia is a loss of language from some form of brain trauma, usually a stroke or could be a TBI, as well as dementia. So like okay. Alzheimer's or and other forms of dementia. And a TBI is a traumatic brain injury. Traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like mm. through car accidents, through like a fight. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. It's like I saw a speech therapist while I was in grad school working on executive functioning because I don't have any. Oh. I was really working on just organization and planning mm-hmm. as well as just stuttering. You can grow out of a stutter, but there comes a point where the chances of you growing out of it are extremely rare. Well, even like Joe Biden's been very Mm -hmm. open about his stutter. And I think he does a very good job of concealing it. And there are like strategies to use. Every person who stutters has their hard sounds that like they know, okay, this word has this sound in it. I'm not going to say this word. I'm going to Yeah, just avoiding. I don't have a stutter, but I've definitely found over the years with podcasting that I know I struggle to say certain words and phrases. Mm -hmm. So I've been more cognizant of avoiding those words and phrases so I don't get stuck there. Yeah. And like I said earlier, there's a difference between like being having a disfluent moment, just like you mentioned, Andrew, and being a Mm -hmm. person who stutters, because imagine having that happen to you 30 plus times a day. Yeah. Or just imagine every time you have to introduce yourself, you struggle saying your name. And I'm wondering with, you know, a stutter, I knew you mentioned that every case is a a unique case. Everybody has their own sounds that they struggle with. Do those tend to be more like consonant clusters that get people? That's a really good question. I really don't know, but one of the stuttering techniques that we work with is called easy onset, which essentially is kind of putting a silent H in front of the beginning of a phrase that you're saying. Oh, that's so smart. Activate Hmm. that. Oh, Ah. man. That's really smart. I can see how yeah. that would work. To just yeah. get the airflow. Mm-hmm. So any other uh, myths you wanted to hit on? The last myth that I kind of want to um, hit on is that like flashcards help with language development. This is kind of going on with like the letter thing. Just kind of buying like it's very unnatural language. Looking at a picture of a cow and saying cow. Yeah. It's more of just kind of expanding phrases and being like, oh, like. The girl is sitting like, oh, the hat is blue. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to work on communication effectiveness, syntax matters. Yeah. Language. Right. So you have like core vocabulary and fringe vocabulary. Fringe vocabulary is kind of like what I like. So my fringe vocabulary is different than both of your fringe vocabulary. Andrea and Laura, Mm -hmm. 
Whereas the core vocabulary is words that make up like 75-80% of language. So that's like basic verbs. So like more, go, I, me, my, you. A lot of early language words, Mm -hmm. mainly verbs, because those can travel across contexts. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so before we wrap up, there was a little news today that just broke that relates to what we've been talking about today. And I think you wanted to highlight that. That'll be a nice cap on everything. Yeah. Um. So like I said, I did my graduate school um, at in Orlando and another college in Orlando, Rollins College. One of their commencement speakers, one of their valedictorians was nonverbal. So they used some form of assistive tech. I saw this right before you started recording. So I kind of was like skimming it. Yeah. Just the fact that the four or five valedictorians at Rollins picked this person is fantastic because it's showing these the small number because Rollins is a really small school of people that just because you can't speak doesn't mean you're stupid yeah and that like wow you're able to be a valedictorian and it's like normalizing Mm nonverbal communicators and putting them on an important platform so yeah that is that is really great thank you for sharing that Rex, thanks for coming on and sharing all this. So interesting. Yeah, thank like you for even analyzing me. the movements in our mouths. It's just stuff we never think of unless we oh, do what you do. Everyone probably was doing it when I when we were oh, I'm yeah. discussing sure. it. So Rex is going to stick around for After Dark today. It's a WTF News edition, and we're each bringing a story to the table. I'm going to lose my shit on my story. I just flung my pen. I'm so angry. So I want to talk about this story. Oscar-nominated actor James Cromwell glues himself to Starbucks counter to protest extra fees for alternative milks. A body was discovered in Lake Mead uh, near here in Las Vegas because of the droughts. An ancient Roman bust was found in a Goodwill in Texas. And uh, Laura, you have a story about Procter & Gamble. They want to trademark acronyms like LOL and WTF to sell soap. (laughs) Okay, so we'll discuss all that in today's installment of After Dark on our Patreon. It's time for recommendations. Why don't we kick it off with you, Rex, because I think I saw you just use this a few minutes ago. I really thought about this recommendation mainly because I wanted was thinking, should it be something budget-friendly or something like Rextra and Luxurious? Rextra? Rextra! Um, Rextra. Wow. That's a title for your for a podcast. That's what you should call your show if you ever do like a, a, a show of your own. Rextra. And I asked a friend what I should do, and they were like, you should do the budget-friendly one. And I was like, well, I wanted to drop just the phrase Rextra because I like using it. But at my clinic, we're like this water bottle cult okay. with Awala water bottles. O-W-A-L-A. Mainly what you can do about it is it has like a straw and so you can like suck it like a straw or you can like gulp. So okay. it's the best of both worlds. It's the Hannah Montana of water bottles. I see. It's like it's, <laughs> it's a two in one. You don't have to lift it up to You to don't drink. need to change the lid if you want to like sip. It's single handed. No, yeah. or I could suck it like a straw. It's great. Okay. It keeps my water cold. They come in funky colors, though. I just have a plain black one. Because you're not Rextra. Well, you, you I just, just want plain um, black. Like, wanted this because it would go with all of my outfits. Would you say that that is Rextra? I really don't know. <laughs> Are you emo? Are you into all the emo bands and stuff? I definitely had a phase. Okay. That's where all the black clothing comes from. But I was like, it was either this or like recommending Botox. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't recommend Botox because sometimes that can go sideways. I know somebody on social who uh, had a bad experience recently. I mean, listen, I think Botox can be done very well. Uh-huh. So if you find the right person, the right specialist, I think you'll probably be really happy with the results. Water bottle probably save her option. <laughs> yep. Thank you. Thank you. True, true. Um, Well, speaking of safe options, um, here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're moving into the warmer months. And while you should be wearing sunscreen year round because you can get sun damage year round, I wanted to make this a yearly reminder to please be sure to apply some sunscreen before you go outside, not just to your face, but to any part of your body that's going to be getting some sun. And reapply it every two hours. And reapply every two hours. Absolutely. Yeah, that's super important. I almost important. recommended the sunscreen that I use, but I believe... Pam, what do you use? I use Elta MD. Okay. Because I believe Pam recommended um, one of Supergoop's not too long ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. we don't need another... <laughs> so, I mean, there's lots of different things that you can choose. I personally just use a really basic Neutrogena sunscreen. Um, But there are definitely a wide variety of sunscreens that you can get depending on, um, you know, what you're looking to get. Some of them give you like a tinted moisturizer look. Some of them can give you a matte look. Other ones like my basic Neutrogena sunscreen are just sunscreen and that's fine too. But just make sure you wear it. Super important. So I had another uh, plan for my recommendation, but Laura's rec reminded me of something I've been wanting to recommend. So we go to a pool where they don't allow any outside drinks, and I assume it is to prevent people from sneaking in alcohol. Well, uh, Pat heard from one of his coworkers that on Amazon, you could buy flasks that look like bottles of sunscreen. Oh, my God. And so we bought these and we're going to sneak alcohol into the pool using these sunscreen flasks. So if you need to sneak alcohol somewhere where people would be bringing suntan lotion and where alcohol maybe isn't allowed, check out sunscreen flasks on Amazon. They look like a regular sunscreen bottle, but you'll be drinking from it. That is fucking hilarious. I wonder. Look, I'm always looking to save a buck. So this is how I'm saving a little money this summer. I'm pretending. I know I would accidentally squeeze it in my hand thinking it was sunscreen and then right, be covered right. in vodka. Or accidentally drink real sunscreen. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm afraid of doing. I didn't even think about that. That's that's how you know it's a party. You're like drinking sunscreen, but you're covered in vodka. Yeah. <laughs> And that does it for this week's episode. If you have any feedback, you, you can contact us by writing directly to millennialshow at gmail.com, or you can use the contact form or anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. You can also follow us on social media. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our new TikTok. But there, we're actually Millennial Pod. Rex, anything you want to plug before we wrap up? I don't know if I said the name of that like short form podcast. But that's Promptly Potter on, and that should be on all platforms that podcast. Yeah, I think on. so. I checked it out and I listened to one of your episodes to see how your mic sounded. That's how I tested it to make sure <laughs> oh my you God. know how to and record he's, yourself. like judging everyone who he knows has a podcast. 
I'm just making sure he knows how to record himself. I trust them, of course. Oh, did you did you do the Patronus episode where my favorite memory is like my best friend's reaction to seeing Harry Potter World? I didn't listen to the whole thing. So oh, wow. <laughs> Rex sounded so sad right there. Oh, I was just doing a quick audio test. That's all. Yeah. See, Rex is calling you out. Well, thanks, Rex, for coming on. It was great having you on. We've uh, known you for a while, like I said, at the top of this. And uh, so we were looking forward to this. And thanks again for everything that you shared today yeah thanks for having me absolutely having you thanks everybody for listening i'm andrew i'm laura and i'm rex bye everyone bye.